Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another very special edition of the This Week in Marvel podcast, Age of Ultron edition. I am Marvel.com editor Ben Morse. Joining me, as he does each and every Friday, except for one out of every month, which is the low light of my existence, is... Marvel's own Tom Brevoort. Hello. Tom, good to see you again. Good to see you again. It is nice to be here. Last Friday, Friday was rough. Was I it? don't know what you were doing. <laughs> I just assumed you were in here doing a podcast by yourself. I was. The loneliest podcast ever, where I, you would ask questions and get no responses. Yep. I still made my intern Caroline take notes. Uh, there was no recorder. It was awful. But on the less depressing end of things we have with us today... Spider-Man editor, Ellie Pyle. Hello. Joining us for the very first time. Welcome to the podcast, Ellie. I'm thrilled to be here. You may, as we say with everyone who appears on the podcast, you may recognize her from various AR executions. Right. From such excellent AR apps as Answering Spider-Man Mail. Well, you... And- Little girl yeah, punches people say, in, that's, in, aff- in offensive places. That's the new highlight of, of the <laughs> AR universe is uh, where you don't get punched by... Mm-hmm. Where I pay off a little girl to punch people. Yeah. yeah. It's been a hit. It's been a hit. In my, <laughs> house, in my about, household, for sure. Like six hits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's double our last we AR. We give you value for your money, boy. Exactly. Marvel AR. Well, the reason we have Ellie here today, besides the fact that it's just a delight to have Ellie in general, is that uh, this week in Age of Ultron, in addition to the main title, Age of Ultron number three, we had our first tie-in issues, uh, which included Fantastic Four number five AU, as well as Superior Spider-Man number six AU, which Ellie worked on. So, and by AU, we mean ow. <laughs> yes. So when boxing, when boxing your comics. Put it in that <laughs> order by sound effect. Um, but I wanted to talk real quick about the nature of creating tie-ins for an event like Age of Ultron. We have fewer tie-ins for this one. Um, Tom, I know you noted that online yes, this I week. Did. Yes, I did. And we're praised. We had across yes, the we board had for fewer it. than forty-eight tie-ins, yeah, which is you know so, a big uh, deal. It's good, but we're no more. Deal. Never again. Never again. Because the fans have spoken and they want more tie-ins. Oh. More, many more, because without that, they cannot tell that the event is important. They have said the worst things ever. I am framing that quote. I'm going to put it in the office there and have it to point to in years to come, as they all say, as they were, you know, two weeks ago. There are way too many tie-ins. Sorry. Nope. I'm sorry, my friend. How you, would you know? The internet no. has spoken, and you want more tie-ins. No. We can do that. Yeah, and we can deliver. We can well, definitely do that. I don't have to deliver, but you guys can do that. But, Ellie, what, what's kind of the process when you know that your title is going to be, not crossing over, but tying into a book like Age of Ultron? How did you approach you know, getting the creative team, getting the story, and basically establishing this? Because it's only one issue of Superior Spider-Man, but it's a crucial one. So what was the layout like? Well... With this specific issue of Superior Spider-Man, we had a very specific goal, which was to kind of make it clear that this is the Superior Spider-Man that you're reading in the regular Superior Spider-Man book in Age of Ultron. Because in Age of Ultron, just with so many characters, there isn't time to really kind of delve into the differences between Superior Spider-Man and regular Spider-Man, who was Peter Parker, as opposed to Doc Ock's brain and Peter Parker's body. So with this tie-in, the goal was very specifically to kind of spend some time looking at all of this from Doc Ock's perspective and Doc Ock's perspective having to pretend to be Peter Parker. So 
from a story standpoint, we had a very specific goal from the beginning. Um, and bringing in Chris Gage to write this, he had been working with us off and on on um, the regular Spider-Man book. So he was a natural choice to come in and do this. He and Dan work really well together. And um, then Dexter Soy, we love his work on Captain Marvel. And mm. this just fit at the perfect time to bring him in and have him do this when he came off of that. Yeah, you mentioned that Chris was working with Dan Slott, you know, off and on. How much input did Dan have into this issue? Since it is, you know, this is the first Superior Spider-Man issue written by someone other than him. Did he still have a fairly heavy hand in coordinating the story? He read outlines and things like that and took a glance at the script, as we often have Dan do with anything Spider-Man related, just to kind of make sure that, you know, an extra set of eyes to make sure everything's in line with what he's been doing and what he has planned. Mm -hmm. But Dan and Chris work really, really well together, so that was very easy in terms of, you know, being able to give Chris free reign to kind of do his story. Now, what's the coordination like between your office, Tom's office, I guess technically they're one of your fiefdoms, or what you would it's, call it? It's all on my fiefdoms, yeah. man. They're all my fiefdoms. <laughs> How much are you guys talking back and forth when, you know, when you're doing the usual issue of Spider-Man, you know, it's you, it's Steve, it's whoever else is working on the book, but now you have more people looped in because you have to, at least, I'm assuming, somewhat communicate with the Age of Ultron people, or maybe you just ignore them. I don't know. If that's, either that's Steve or myself yeah. don't have hurt feelings at least once in the making of a tie-in issue, I know we haven't done our job properly. <laughs> um, well, Tom, you took a look at all the outlines and the scripts as well, yeah, and I gave some notes on this, I believe, that actually led to revisions um, in the process. Yes, I did. Yes. All my notes lead to revisions. <laughs> some of them even good. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, on all the Age of Ultron books, you know, each individual office and each individual creative team, you know, comes and, and, and sort of conceptualizes the story they want to tell within the context of the larger sort of structure. I have, a, like, a little Bible document that sort of lays out, here's, here's what the story is, here's how it works, here's how your tie-in kind of works, the parameters of, of not your individual issue, but, you know, the places where there are spots to, to fit in. Right. You know, we're here, and Ultron's, you know, taken over the the world and we're in this sort of almost post-apocalyptic scenario and uh, you know a bunch of the characters are dead or missing and we know these guys are here you know within that we want the the guys writing times to be able to tell a worthwhile and meaningful story themselves both for the book that they're doing for the characters that they're that they're uh, uh, writing for and that, that, you know, maybe further illuminates the Age of Ultron scenario in general. Again, in the case of uh, Superior Spider-Man, uh, being able to delve more into the Doc Ock side of it all in a way that you kind of would, would bring the main book to a, a, a crawl or a halt if you had to download that much information. Like, for most people right. who are more casual readers, our event books tend to reach more people because they're the biggest circling thing, so you tend to get a lot of people who either have fallen out of reading our books monthly or who've never read our books monthly and will check it out digitally or, or whatever. Um, being able to just kind of go in and, and go, that's Spider-Man, and you don't have to worry about anything, or that's Captain America, or that's Iron Man, or that's whomever, um, that's, that's fine. For people who know a little bit more, this kind of allows you to get the, the whole picture and to unify 
that event book with what's going on in the individual court titles. You know, the same sort of thing is true of the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. uh, tie-in. You know, we didn't spend any time in Age of Ultron going, but 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 uh, the Fantastic Four were off in space and time. How are they here to to be either dead or in a cave? Um, and you know, we left that to Matt Fraction to tell. Uh, here, in the context of the larger Fantastic Four story that he's telling, um, you know, and then within that to tell a story that's worthwhile to uh, the FF and to plant a few seeds for things that he'll develop in future issues of Fantastic Four right. or Fantastic One. <laughs> With this event in particular, we had the extra challenge of so many people are dead or otherwise taken off the map when and Age yet of Ultron. Nick Lowe still lives <laughs> for now. For now. We're three issues in. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of stories still to come. <laughs> oh, I could only hope. <laughs> but there was a fair amount of tracking yeah. of, you know, who is alive, who sure. is present, who, who you, can you know, when you've use. got these group scenes, you know, who, who can be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that I uh, consulted Tom on repeatedly. It was just kind of, you know, well, can this can this person be there? Yeah. If if this person can't be there, who looks like this person who yeah. could be yeah, there? Yeah, there was. I remember the, the, there was one sequence right at the very end where somebody was in, like, a panel. Ooh. And we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't find somebody to swap them out for. It Ooh. was Daredevil, and... <laughs> I, we we had to look very very hard yeah, to what, find. I think we ended up turning him into Quicksilver. That's what I think we wow. ended up doing. That is so, not a switch I would have jumped to immediately. Uh, you, so. There was a very short. <laughs> yeah. There was a very short list of who. Is it just the hair looks like his horns, or no, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, dead ringers for one another? So, um, but you know, and I've never seen Daredevil and Quicksilver in the same room at the same time. <laughs> That's a great point. And Dexter Soy did a great job of, of rolling with all of that. Yeah, you know, both these tie-in issues kind of bring up a, a, what you guys were discussing. And, and we've discussed on previous episodes of the podcast, a lot of people were asking, is this Peter? Is this Doc Ock? And we knew it was going to be answered in this issue. But both with that and with the idea of how did the FF get here, is that typically the type of thing where, Tom, you're, you guys and the people working on Age of Ultron, you're pointing out, and you're like, all right, we need to, or we'd like to answer this at some point, and then you go to... Ellie or to the other editors, the other editors, and say, if you could address this, that'd be great. Or is it sometimes a case of, you know, you're hearing the breakdown for Age of Ultron, and as a Spider-Man editor, you're saying, okay, this is something that needs to be addressed. Are you guys going to get to this, or do you want us to cover it in the time? Well, I think most, you know, this is really the the the, the first event that's had this sort of problem sure. on a macro level, and part of the reason for that, and I'm very frank about it, is we started work on this a long while ago. You know, the analogy, and I think I drew this on one of the previous podcasts, is this is kind of like um, the Children's Crusade. Yes. And when Children's Crusade started, we had a lot of people that were very, you know, confused that why is Iron Man wearing that suit of armor or why is Steve Captain America? You know, by the time Crusade ended, Steve was Captain America again, and they could all go, oh, right, yeah. okay, we get it. But the only answer I could give at the time really was, you know, we we knew approximately when this was coming out. We had to project ahead, however many months or years, uh, and and say, here's what we think the shape of the Marvel universe is going to be based on the best knowledge that we've got, and so we go with that. But what tends to happen, because our guys are constantly coming up with new ideas and new stories and new twists, something along the way changes. Mm-hmm. This is when we get into the issue of boots. 
you know, sometimes got something to say about that later. So sometimes, hold that your head. you know, characters, you know, will change will change costume or things right. will will come up to change status quos a little bit, and you'll kind of have to finesse right. a, a little bit more. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons, really, why uh, uh, you know, doing some of this work in the tie-ins was more necessary than it would have been, right. uh, and that was just a case of we started this far longer ago than in the case of most event books. This happens with the other event books as well, but maybe not as severely because the time difference between when we begin work on them and when they come out sure. is not as lengthened as it was with Age of Ultron. I guess I was more wondering specifically um, how many, because like you said, there are very few tie-ins for this, but you've got ones like Fantastic Four and like Superior Spider-Man that seem to answer a question that needs to be answered, and then we'll have some coming up, like there's a, I know there's and Avengers Assemble one, there's yeah. an Ultron itself one, and some of those are Wolverine just... Wolverine the X-Men. Wolverine the X-Men. Fearless Defenders. Fearless, Fearless Defenders. Defenders. Um, you know, some of those are just great stories to tell. So it's like, I would imagine sometimes you're going and saying, hey, we need this to get addressed, and then sometimes, you know, especially on a book like Fearless Defenders, it's just started. It's a good, it's a good chance just to kind of tie with, in. With Fearless Defenders specifically, that issue is going to focus on Hippolyta, Warrior mm-hmm, Woman. Mm-hmm. And that was a case of, we had just brought this character back and, you know, given her a whole new flavor, and this was a chance to, you know, kind of have some extra room to explore her and kind sure. of see who she really is. So it was a great opportunity for that. And so on, you really... and on, on top of that, too, there was, as it, as it turned out, a good applicable moment right. in Age of Ultron that made doing a tie-in uh, in that particular title make sense as opposed to some others. Right. You know, typically, uh, you know, we open up the the notion of tie-ins to the creative teams and to the editors. We say we're doing Fear itself, and it's going to run from here to here, and the story is kind of about this. And you know, we're looking for tie-ins. Who wants to do tie-ins? What right. do you want to do? We don't very often mandate you must do tie-ins. Right. Um, but I think in the Defenders case, it started with me coming and saying, I think we have an opportunity here because there's something that goes on that lends itself to a connection with that book. And being that it's a new book, it's a, it's a, a place where you can get some more eyes on it and uh, you know, showcase that it's got some importance to our line. So you might want to think about that. And then, uh, you know, Ellie, you went off and uh, uh, you know, talked to your guys, your creative team, and came back with, okay, here's the story we want to do and here's how we want to go about it. Yeah, Ellie, while we have you here before we move kind of into the main book, um, because Fearless Defenders will be out fairly soon, what more can you say kind of about the Age of Ultron tie-in and uh, what people can look forward to and why they should... Not too much. Very little, yeah. because very little. it ties into very important Age of Ultron story points you don't know yet. Well, I wasn't. You don't have to talk about the story. You can talk about the creators. <laughs> uh, the creators. That. Well, that's really exciting, actually. I, uh, I was kind of pitching uh, well, a softball you know, there. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Phil Jimenez is drawing it, and he did our redesign for uh, Warrior Woman. So I am right. really, really excited this that we're going Phil's to have... first interior work at Marvel in a few years. And we're going and have 20 gorgeous pages um, from Phil Jimenez and he's working with Carl Kiesel and Antonio Fabella and I'm just very very excited because yeah, we saw some of those pages you sent me some of those pages just today and they look really good yeah. that's mm-hmm. a nice looking book Phil yeah. is really excellent yep I think that's going to be really bad I was very excited when I read in the solicits that Phil was coming back doing some work for us and Fearless Defenders is Perfect book for him. Great book. If you guys out there in podcast land are checking out. I like that when I specifically talk to the listeners, I'm looking at the microphone as if they can see my gaze. Can't they, Ben? Yeah. Can't they? A little behind the scenes for you guys. I stare at the microphone when I talk to you. 
Um, Eye contact. Yeah, exactly. It's important in job interviews and in podcasts. But, yeah, all right, I want to jump over into the uh, Age of Ultron book. Ellie, hopefully stick around and answer where applicable and, uh, you know, correct Tom when need be. Need someone here that to do that. That would be awesome. Um, talking about this issue of Age of Ultron, the first Ultron thing. Number three. Yes, number three, third in four weeks. Four weeks. Very and there impressive. are three comic books. Yeah. It's crazy. You did it, Tom. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I did. Congratulations. Um, I want to note right off the bat about this, which I found interesting, is the first two issues, even though we pick up in this post-apocalyptic world, even though there is a brief flashback to Spider-Man's experience in the last issues, they're fairly straight chronological A to B stories. In this, we are jumping around a little bit in that we start near where the issue's going to end and then keep jumping back and forth to tell the story of Luke Cage and She-Hulk and how they basically infiltrate Ultron City, whatever we're going to call it. Um, why the choice to do that? Why set it up a little differently? Um, well, ultimately, that was the choice that Brian uh, Bendis, mm-hmm. rather than Hitch, had to specify. I remember yep. that. Uh, that was the that was the choice that Bendis made in terms of laying this issue out, uh, in terms of what would work best dramatically, what what got us into uh, uh, you know sort of the story and the vector uh, most quickly at the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rather than sort of sitting through. More of the planning after two issues of a right. lot of guys in a cave sitting around, you know, being able to to get right into it with the characters on the move, and then to fill in some of that backstory on the on the fly as we went, uh, seemed like a reasonable way of going about it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, Luke Cage has a big role in this issue. If you've read a Brian it's Bendis shocking, comic ever, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it's, uh, I was so surprised when Brian told me that. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. <laughs> It was pretty surprising. Um, you know, he's been away from the character for two or three months now, so I guess, you know, it was a long enough cooling-off period. But, <laughs> you know, Luke has a rough time of it here. Uh, a lot of the stuff that Brian set up over almost a decade, you know, his family, his child, all the happiness he kind of gave him, jump in here and it's all It's not a good gone. day to be Luke Cage. Yeah, what were Brian's feelings on wanting to use Luke, as he usually does, but also kind of flipping all the good stuff he did for him. Well, again, I think that that's, you know, that, that, that's just the some of the themes and some of the, the, the dramatic structure of Age of Ultron writ large. And in a sense, it's a little more personal to Luke because not only does he have a family, but we know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, certainly, in you know, again, the Spider-Man tie-in, you know, Spidey Doc Ock, you know, thinks about, well, yeah. you know, Aunt May was over there and Mary Jane was over there and all this Horizon guys, you know, like everybody I know is dead. All the characters kind of have that, but in the case of Luke, not only does he have a, a wife and child, but we spent a lot of time in the last couple of years with them. We know them as characters in a way that very few of the the uh, you know players in the lives of a bunch of the other characters uh, you, you might have that affinity for, with the possible exception of Spider-Man, because they spent so much time with the supporting cast in and around that character as well. Um, so I think it just kind of drives things uh, home. Certainly, everybody that Hawkeye knows, except for other superheroes, uh, are equally right. uh, uh, dead and buried. But most of those are guys that we don't know, unless you're reading Hawkeye by right. Matt Fraction and David Asha. Even in which case, known for a year. Yeah, but so. but but what a year! What a year! Um, uh, so it just you know it immediately strikes to the to the heart of things. Um, you know, once again, Luke. Uh, you know, based on his past 
uh, and and uh, uh, you know his sort of oeuvre like Hawkeye and like Moon Knight and Black Widow, another sort of ground level, very street based character from which to tell this sort of large massive story and give it a human uh, uh, point of view. Uh, so I think too that's another reason why. Uh, Luke comes to the fore here as opposed to somebody else, Iron Man or Cap or somebody who's maybe a little more super heroic in their, in their uh, eyeline. Cool. Now, last issue, we jumped over to San Francisco briefly, as you mentioned, and uh, saw Black Widow, saw Moon Knight. Here we stay mostly in New York except for a brief excursion to Chicago. Go to Chicago! Where we see Red Hulk, Black Panther, and Taskmaster, a motley what a, crew. What a crazy if trio. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would like to see that sitcom. In the front Red Hulk, the Black Panther, and Taskmaster walk into a bar. Yeah, so write your own joke here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only a couple pages. Uh, we basically get dropped in the middle of them doing something. What what was going on in that sequence that you can say? I'm sure we'll have more to pay off later. And why? As I always ask, I know sometimes it's just because, but. Why these characters? Why this particular grouping? No, well, uh, you know, not necessarily this particular grouping, but grouping in general. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, you know, Brian was having some fun with what disparate and, and disassociated characters you could put together to come up with interesting pairings on. You know, Last issue, while we've seen Moon Knight and Black Widow both be in Secret Avengers at around the same time, they didn't share a lot of scenes. They didn't spend a lot of time together. And so here are two characters that are both fairly storied in the Marvel Universe, and they get to interact, and you know them both, but the interaction is new, it's fresh, it's hopefully interesting. Mm-hmm. The same kind of thing is true here. All three of those, of the three of them, you know, Red Hulk, at least as the Red Hulk, is the newest of those characters, um, and all of them have been around in one form or another for a good long while, but I can't really remember any stories in which yeah. those guys spent a lot of time in each other's company uh, and, uh, you know, interacted. So it shows, one, that the state of the world is such that, you know, the old lines between heroes and villains, good guys and bad guys, don't quite apply as they might have a week or two earlier. Um, It allows you to get some new and interesting interactions and frictions going on, um, possibly stuff that could pay off later. The next time one of these characters... Uh, runs into Taskmaster, maybe not so much the Panther, mm. but uh, you know the Red Hulk. At some point down the line, after uh, Age of Ultron is over, um, you uh, uh, you know you've built up a little bit, not like an enormous history or anything, but a little bit of interaction between them, a little bit of history yeah. that you can tap into. Um, you know, in terms of what they they're, they're doing uh, in the issue, uh, you know, we see uh, that uh, the, the Red Hulk uh, makes off with one of the Ultron heads. He rips right. it out of the Ultron and you know, hands it off to Panther and Taskmaster as he, he sort of holds back the, the, the uh, hordes. Uh, you, know, you can kind of make of that uh, what you will and what they might have been planning to do with an Ultron head. Um, you know, we have seven more issues, and I don't really want to tell you too, too sure. much about it. Sure. But uh, you know, their objective there was clearly to get either the head or some key piece of, of Ultron yeah. for some uh, reason. But yeah, Black Panther has a has a kind of a rough week between here and the Fantastic Four tie-in. He's, he's just in the rubble. <laughs> kind of crawling it's through a, rubble trying to get It's a his... Brian Hitch comic. Everybody That's is true. in the rubble. There's a lot of rubble <laughs> in this comic. It's the most beautiful rubble in comics. Nobody, nobody, you know, nobody has got like a clean, pristine costume in any of these things. No. Everything is destroyed. Everything is wrecked. Everything is destroyed. Um, 
But okay. yeah, definitely a tough week for the Panther. Yeah, just not good. He just has his one can his not one his panel cameo in Fantastic Four asking for help. He has to hand off to Taskmaster here. It's he's he's had better days. He's had better months. But that's what makes him a hero. <laughs> we'll say. Uh, okay, finally, just kind of wrapping this issue up. Uh, the last page, Luke Cage and She-Hulk make it to the heart of the Ultron Citadel, assuming they're going to find Ultron. Well, Luke Cage does. She-Hulk has been rendered unconscious, but we'll see what she has up her sleeve. Or I don't know if she has sleeves in this no issue. Sleeves, no yeah. sleeves. No sleeves and short hair. Uh, wow. So she's got nothing up her hair either. That one. <laughs> so what in her pocket, something. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what's to come with that. But they go stop this line of thinking yeah, right please. now. Thank you. Uh, they go in expecting Ultron, and instead, last page, we find out the vision is at the center of all of this. You know, I, I, I tell you, I saw people reacting to yeah. this, and people were so surprised and yeah. so astonished. And I was surprised that they were surprised. I genuinely was. Cause Where thought, Ultron goes. I thought it was yeah. a nice moment, but the Vision has been in the Avengers books for the last right. you know, uh, year or two. He's back. He's clearly connected to Ultron. Everybody, when we were, we were putting issue one out, we're asking, where's, where's the Vision and where's Hank yep. Kim? So getting there and the fact that it had such a, a, a reaction was sort of amazing to me. It's great. It, it shows that what Brian and Brian are doing as a, as a story uh, you know, people are getting swept up on it, and they get to that moment, they turn the page, and they weren't ready for it, and bam, it, it makes an impact on them. Uh, you know, that's fantastic to me. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was genuinely shocked that there was so much chatter about. Oh my God, it's the Vision! What does this mean? What's going on? He's all torn up. What's happening? Ah, love that. Good. Ellie, were you surprised to see the Vision? She was. She's I'm nodding. Yeah, play, play by Sorry. play, guys. Ellie is nodding furiously. <laughs> Eye contact. Answering affirmative. <laughs> um, actually, as you were kind of paging over Age of Ultron, it got me thinking, how much in terms of reference for Dexter Soy, for the artist, how much work did you do as far as uh, letting, making sure his world that he created, and I guess Andrea Rojo over in Fantastic Four as well, Tom, making sure their world lined up with what Brian had just created? Because like you said, Brian worked on this quite some time ago. Create a very specific vision, and of course, we want to keep some visual similarities yeah. there. Well, we had, and, and uh, I don't want to cut you off; you can jump in. But we had five issues worth of sure. of, of work from from Hitch that we were able to give out to mm-hmm. uh, you know all of the various artists who are working on the book, uh, and so you know keep things fairly consistent in the, the FFAU. You know, when we get into uh, Manhattan and the, the crazy domed uh, city, and we see where the Baxter building had broken to pieces and fell. Um, it's the same city that that Hitch drew in Age of Ultron number one. You can go back and you can compare it. Andre really referenced, you know, a couple of key shots in that first issue to make it very much the same environment. And I imagine with Dexter, it's the same kind of thing. We have a lot of re- reference. Yeah, we sent over everything that we had on mm. the first couple of issues. So that he had it and could work from there. And still, he drew Daredevil. <laughs> he didn't know Daredevil wasn't yeah. there. I think Daredevil was there in were, the in the first there, issue. There what, were guys. He, he might have been at one point. Yeah. It's a lot of moving parts. Yep. Well, anyways, we uh, we wrap up that issue, and of course, next week we have a brand new issue, Age of Ultron next number four. Week, another issue. And what are we what are we going to see in Age of Ultron number four? Other than what's in She-Hulk's pockets. You know, you... 
I mean, actually, this I have to take Strength a moment because I'm 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 like two or three issues down now. I have to like yeah. stop and go. Wait a minute, which yeah. right? Which one was? Um, you'll uh, you'll you'll see Luke and and uh, She Hulk interact with the Vision pretty pretty clearly. Yep. Um, you'll see uh, more about uh, Cap's plan and what uh, he's going to do. We'll move to uh, yet uh, the beginnings of another location around the Marvel yes. Universe. Uh, we'll see, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, which I might not be, uh, at least one more character enter the, the scene uh, who we haven't seen quite yet. Um, and, uh, you know, then uh, more, more big uh, panoramic uh, Brian Hitch uh, right. wonderfulness. Um, and, uh, and like that, one a week, only a week's yeah. time. How much do we care By about By the time this podcast reader? comes up, it'll be tomorrow. When the book's available. Wow. This comes out on Tuesday. So We're almost too good to you. I I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I'm speaking And still they want more. Yeah. And still they want more. More tie-ins. I'm speaking more specifically tie-ins. to you, Caroline. Yes. And too good to you. <laughs> um we're gonna get into some questions that you guys asked. And of course questions. if you ever want to ask questions, use the hashtag this week in Marvel AU or This Week in Marvel Ow. Ow. Uh, and we will get them to Tom and we should do the, the guests. We should do the FAQ work. very quickly here. Yes. The FAQ, Thor is dead. Yep. Character's boots. Okay. Well, we're ready. Well, Tom, <laughs> not so fast. Not because so before we fast. get Ooh. before we get to the actual questions this week, we did our normal this week in Marvel co- podcast this week. Almost a podcast, <laughs> which is a whole other thing. Um, and we had a number of people who just wrote into us saying, listening to the Age of Ultron podcast, What's up it. with that dude in boots, man? He is obsessed with boots! They said, feel really bad that Tom seems to want to get these questions about the boots, <laughs> and no one's asking about boots. And they, there are now actually people, but this is, you, you have become your own worst enemy in the sense that There's, no one noticed that there was anything wrong with boots. And now our listeners on are going. On page go, four, the laces are laced on the left they, side. But they, on page five, they're they, laced on the right side. <laughs> Brian Hitch, curse you. Our listeners have now said they're going back. You're attention to detail. They're going back and pouring over the original <laughs> issues so they can find the errors that you thought they would ask about so they can then ask about them. <laughs> Well, see, I love that. that. That's kind of like that's that's not like AR augment. That's like actual reality. That we're, is, we've packed actual reality yeah. into this event. So I think the irony, and you're getting more enjoyment out of absolutely. out of these comics for the money than any other book on the market. I'm sure. I didn't know anything about this, but I, I can tell you that Phil Jimenez is drawing some awesome boots right? for Defenders and, on, and on model. Too. And what well, he asked me yep. about boots very specifically it's because so, it's out there now. It's you know. permeated the consciousness of the world. <laughs> if you had left it alone, no one would have said anything about these boots. But now that you have you anticipated problems. And have created them. That's what I like to do. That is Nicolo esque behavior if I've ever <laughs> heard it. No, you hurt but, me, Ben. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That, that, was, that was a step too far. Let's, let's pull it back step and in hope, the boot. Hope, these, hope these fan questions can, uh, can save this. All right, let's go. Here we go. All right, we got one from Hayden S. Dela Cruz. Unlikely, I'm sure, maybe, maybe not, but is there any chance that a cosmic character or two will appear in Age of Ultron? I think that depends on what you consider a cosmic character. Actually, I, I could probably go further and say mm-hmm. y- yes, in that, and we haven't talked about this 
on the podcast, but we've talked about it, announced it out in the world that by the end of Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. uh, Angela, the 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 character from the the Todd McFarlane and Neil Gaiman uh, series, is going to be coming into the Marvel universe, and yes. she certainly qualifies as a cosmic character. So right there, yes, I can say definitively at least one, at least one. But be, you'll have to wait till issue ten, and she'll be going straight from there into Guardians of the Galaxy. Right, number five. Any uh, any cosmic characters in Fearless Defenders, Ellie? No. Don't say no. Always say maybe. Maybe. Because then. <laughs> All right. We'll maybe. Fi- we'll fix that in post. Um, <laughs> next question from Carlo M. Rereading Avengers from the Heroic Age series, the 2010 volume right. one through five, and I'm wondering. Doesn't this already spoil the ending of Age of Ultron, assuming that that is where this is going? Um, well, I think it, it uh, certainly illuminates uh, portions of Age of Ultron, but in the course of that story, there was the conflict between Ultron uh, and Kang that was uh, essentially resolved by convincing them not to fight. Yeah. So, you know, events events were changed, time has... Time has run a different course. Mm-hmm. We will see Kang in the course of Age of Ultron. Oh, okay. He's a big part of the Uncanny Avengers issue. Eight. eight. Ow! Um, <laughs> I legitimately thought you hurt yourself for a second there. <laughs> That's what I happened did. under the table. I did. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll see, uh, uh, you know, those events from a slightly different perspective now. Maybe there are hints there. Maybe it does spoil the ending of yeah. everything. You'll have to see. You'll have to wait and see. See, that's how you tease. I'm no, not, no definitive answers learning. ever. Yeah. <laughs> still so much to learn. <laughs> but if people want to go back and pick up that first Heroic Age Avengers volume, sure. it is a, a lovely story. Beautiful John Romita Jr. artwork. Uh, you know, fine story by uh, Brian Bendis, uh, writer of Age of Ultron. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that he would love to, uh, you know, get a royalty statement on it. So um, <laughs> let us encourage those to do that. Scrutinizing it closely for clues. Yeah. It does have boots. the much the much discussed timeline chart right. of the Marvel Universe. We've been saying we have to pull that back up and throw it on almost, the website one of these Almost days. every single thing. I think there are still one or two bits on it that still. haven't entirely come to fruition, but most of it has. But they could come to fruition... In Fearless Defenders, it's coming it's up. possible. It's it is true. very possible that it's that could be the master plan. Keep an eye out on that. Okay, this is not a question; it is a comment from Centurion Joe. Superior Spider-Man was thrilling to read. Fantastic Four made me so damn sad. All right, comics. I, I like that he said. Thank you. Yeah. That's terrific. <laughs> this is the contrast where we have Ellie going, "Oh, thank you. I'm glad you found my book thrilling." And Tom going, "All right, he's sad. I made you cry." <laughs> Score for us. Tom Brevoort making comic readers cry for who knows <laughs> long, how many years. Long time. All right, regular editors, people on the street, people, yeah, <laughs> hot dog vendors, you name it. They, they're oh. very sad around me. All right, recurring this week in Marvel: Age of Ultron listener Alien Princess, who last time around asked us about uh, superheroes procreating. And you answered yes. to your credit? Yes, I did. Uh, wants to know re- I don't duck the yeah, tough questions, no, Ben. No, uh, Wants to know, in reference to the Taskmaster, Black Panther, Red Hulk alliance, are there that, other... But that, I'm, just, I'm just saying, going yeah. from 
superheroes procreating to then rattling off those names. You're she kind didn't. of setting up. They didn't rattle off the names. You're I added kind that. of setting up an expectation oh here. <laughs> so I'm hoping. I, I add, I'm hoping this goes somewhere else. Okay. I. But let's I, see. Carry on. I added context there. Uh, they did not actually name those characters. They just said. Are there, and it's because, name is Alien Princess, that's why I'm saying they, because I don't know if you're a guy or a girl. Um, because that's... Anyone, know, can, anyone can be a princess, can be a Exactly. Are there other villains teaming up with heroes to fight for survival together? Um, yes. Yes. Yes, you're right. But I can't tell you anything about it yet. <laughs> but that's exciting. Yes. All right, so we will see some more unlikely alliances before. Oh, you'll all definitely. I mean, particularly when you get to unlikely alliances, even before villains and heroes, you'll yeah. definitely see more unlikely alliances oh, right. of a number of different sorts in the issues to come. Cool. All right, from Tim Dog ninety eight. I think that is a guy. I hope. I don't know. Don't judge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, People can be whoever they want on the internet. <laughs> And anywhere. Do you feel Hank Pym not appearing in Marvel now diminishes his importance in Age of Ultron? Well, I would first say, you know, Hank Pym not appearing in Marvel what? now uh, up till now, perhaps. True. Um, you know, and I don't think that necessarily diminishes his importance. We've covered a lot of characters, but it's a big Marvel universe. There are other characters that have not appeared up until now. The Vision, until this moment, had not appeared in Marvel now, and there he is, a big shocking surprise at the end of Age of Ultron 3 that, that uh, uh, you know, mystified people who sort of anticipated that he'd be coming. Yeah. So I don't think uh, his absence uh, here uh, uh, diminishes him, uh, you know, his, him as a character or his importance to the Marvel Universe or, or uh, anything. And though he may not have been in any of the new launches, he's been hanging out over in Daredevil. Absolutely. And he and Matt Murdock have a very cool friendship. Yeah. I like their dynamic a lot. So if you're one of the people not reading Daredevil, that's mystifying at this point. (laughs) Um, Understand. Evaluate your life and then read Daredevil to try to make up for what you're doing wrong. Nick I stopped, my, I stopped myself. Yeah. I had a tagline there oh, okay. that was, even the blind read Daredevil. Oh, and I stopped myself. But then you started again. Yes, so I you did. didn't stop anything. But I did it here in the context of, I know it was wrong. <laughs> we did an audio recording for them. Yes, That's you true. did. Yes, you did. I finally remember that. That was a good time. <laughs> Ellie appeared in it. That is true. She was, who did you play? I was Kirsten McDuffie. Yes. I, I would say you are the definitive Kirsten McDuffie of this generation <laughs> for most Thank uh, you. for most fans. I, I, I take that as a huge compliment. Most fans. Just like I tell the guy who... It is an awesome responsibility. Yes. It is. It is. That's what I tell anyone who does a voice for Marvel superheroes. What, though? That they are the definitive, unless it's an Avengers character, blank <laughs> of this generation. <laughs> All right. Nick Sutfin. Uh, Nick Burt 51 wants to know Is there a certain order to read Age of Ultron and its tie-ins? I got Age of Ultron number 3 Superior Spider-Man 6 AU And Fantastic Four 5 AU And read them out of order Oops I don't think there really is an out of order I would say how, I'm not sure that you could read those three I, I suppose you could You could make the argument that Superior Spider-Man Is slightly before Age of Ultron 3 It well, kind of happens say, in and around the same time yeah. I guess you And could in say fact Fantastic I think Four. it even Sends you over to right. Age of Ultron 3 At one point It does yeah there's yeah. some nice notes there saying where it takes place. I guess you could say Fantastic Four 
technically takes place before. Yeah, but it, being that it came it. out now, yeah, and you would read it now, there's nothing in it that comes out sure. after Age of Ultron three. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like you could read these out of sequence. Yeah, we, we generally try, and I stress the word try, try, to be reasonably good about releasing these in a sequence that you can read them sensibly. And if we have two books coming out the same week or a week or so apart that need to be read in a certain order, we try uh, to you know label them as such on the right. recap page or whatever. Yeah. Of course, nobody reads the recap page, and so they then complain that we didn't warn them, but that's a whole other issue in and of itself. Fork hard on those recap pages. People read the Avenging yeah. Spider-Man recap pages. It's a good recap page. I don't care anything. But the recap page. Yeah. <laughs> Looks I good. Figure, I Off can to read the, the rest of the book, but I got a recap page next month. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> it won't tell you anything about what happened the month before. <laughs> it's true. Avenging Spider-Man is the one book and where that's you really... the way I like it. <laughs> oh, but you'll get my opinions on whatever I have opinions about that yeah. book. <laughs> it's important. All right. Uh, running down here, we've got Rob Antonucci. If New York is destroyed in the Age of Ultron, is it also destroyed in the rest of the Marvel Universe? Yes, of yes. course it is. <laughs> it's one Marvel Universe. Yep. Uh, it's what's going to make it so easy to publish Thor comics in the future. Lawrence Sankiewicz has the easiest job in the world now because don't have to worry about that book anymore. It's done. <laughs> it's over. It's done. He's dead. So yes, yeah, I yes, guess it does. Yeah, this question is is another variation of a way to ask: Is this taking place in the Marvel universe? Yes, yes, it yes, is. it is. Just um, because the rest of the books are not reflecting it right now, you'll know by the end. Yeah, I did a I did a thing in in uh, another interview uh, uh, somewhere else over the course of the week mm-hmm. where I basically you another know, website, Tom. Well, yeah, I'm afraid I do. Uh, <laughs> You go and, where, and sadly, it was probably on Friday while you were here recording the podcast. It was, that's, and I was wondering where you were. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, the Age of Ultron happens now, but every comic happens now when you're reading it. Right. So, you know, Wolverine is happening now, and Savage Wolverine is happening now, and Avengers is happening now, and Wolverine and the X-Men is happening now, and it's really only once all of those stories finish that you're able to kind of go, oh, right, this Paul Cornell Wolverine story must have happened after this Frank Cho Savage Wolverine story and before Wolverine was in this issue of Avengers that John Hickman wrote. Um, Everything is happening now, and everything does kind of unify itself across our line as the individual stories finish and kind of slot into place, Tetris (laughs) block-like. So, uh, well, right now... Uh, we don't have to worry about the fact that New York has been pulverized. In a few months, it's going to become a lot more difficult for our guys to draw comics because they're all going to have to be Brian Hitch. That's going to make it a lot harder for you to make comics because I don't but think we we'll have a spare do it. Brian Hitch. If we can put out three issues like this in four weeks, <laughs> what can't we then do? we can do anything. All right, two more. One from Raf AB. Did Ultron take over the world or only the USA? And did he take did the takeover happen in one night? And one of these questions actually answered in the Fantastic Four issue. Um, it, it is uh, no Ultron's attack is uh, global, is mm-hmm. worldwide. We haven't really seen too much outside of uh, the United States. Although every issue so far, we've seen something else. We've seen yep. you know San Francisco and now Chicago. 
Uh, we'll see another environment in, in Age of Ultron 4. Uh, the uh, uh, Avengers Assemble 15 Ow! tie-in that we talked about in the last <laughs> podcast is set in the UK, so we'll see some of, of Europe there. Um, You'll get to see Latveria and Fearless Defenders. Yeah, see Latveria and Fearless Defenders. Um, it did not all happen in the space of a single night, and in fact, uh, we will see by uh, uh, Age of Ultron 5, we will see another active city, another active place that has not yet really fallen or dealt with these events, uh, uh, you know, be in the wake of what's going on as Ultron kind of expands his sphere of influence. So it's all kind of an ongoing process, but the actual, you know, takedown happened very, very quickly. Spider Man slept through it. Yeah. He did. Classic Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Once wrap things up on a light note with a with a familiar face, uh, Mr. Sebastian Gurner wrote us. <laughs> could Ultron, Aww. former Marvel editor Sebastian Gurner, could Ultron take control of Iron Man's armor and do the "Why are you hitting yourself?" gag? <laughs> I think if he doesn't do that by the end of this event, he we failed. will have failed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can talk about when that happens. That's no, true. Not but, at all. Not you at all. know. Stay tuned, Sebastian. Maybe number five. <laughs> oh, I've said too much. <laughs> well, that that is uh, that is all the questions we have time for today, uh, guys. Thank, thank you, readers, so for, for the questions. Yes, yes, guys. Thank you very much. We could use some more questions for the next one yeah. in only a week's time, or there, if you're actually listening to this, a day's time. Well, the book. podcast will be a few days after that. But the book will be there. I can't keep track of it all. The book will That's be That's right. You will, have, you will have new books next week. Are there and any believe me, you will week? have questions. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you. Study the boots. No, I was going to say, we're going to get 85 boot questions next week. Um, want to thank Ellie very much for joining us. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming. And check out Fearless Defenders, Superior Spider-Man, all the other books you're working on. And uh, people can talk to you on Twitter. They absolutely can. Are you uh, sure you want to say that? Yes. Okay. Yes. I well, gonna give at, the option at S Wacker. <laughs> <laughs> no, my Twitter handle is at Ellie Pyle, so yep. it's really easy. There you go. And of course, Tom, always a delight to have you in here. <laughs> always a delight to be here, and Tom. Except last Friday. Yeah, I, I thought you were here. I'm only learning now, and it's shocking and horrifying <laughs> to know that you weren't here. It's like the vision. Was, yeah, was there. <laughs> the vision was here. We're all here. We're all here. Actually, you were on spring break last week. You weren't here either. Yeah. Oh, my God. Everything's starting to tumble. Uh. Okay. i got to wrap this up and go talk to somebody about something um, and pull this all together and probably read Daredevil. I hear that helps. It does. Uh, With anything. Thank you all for listening. We will be back in one week's time to talk about Age of Ultron number four. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>